Welcome back, folks, to Bits on Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a high school attendee, and a man who cuts his own hair, Dan Masters. With my good friend, the chairman of the Off-Wing Ombudsman, a man who's finally enjoying the greatness of The Wire, and a man who charges £100 an hour for his podcast time. Well, every human, Will, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, feeling very flush. £100 up. Um, yeah, loving loving life. Loving life. You've been, uh, you've been going to high school, have you? Well, my daughter went to uh, an open day at high school to test you know, if she likes the area, likes the surroundings, what she thought of it. And my daughter can't wait now to go to high school, even though it's a year and a half away. She's only in year five. So what what was gonna happen if she didn't like it? Say, ah, oh, fair enough, we won't we won't do high school. Well then. there's there's loads of other high there's like five high schools within three miles of us. So she would have just oh wait, okay, we'll go check that we'll check out this one then. Because they're all actually quite there's no terrible schools around us. They're all actually good or very good. So we're not we weren't too bothered to be honest. But she really liked it, so that was good enough. What would you do in in an open day nowadays? Basically, a year 11 shows you around. So you go with your kid, and then the year 11 will show you around. And they'll show you around the school, what you do in different lessons. And then the kids... So obviously Georgia then could talk to the girl who showed us around, and she can ask her questions. And basically, yeah, you just... They sort of take you into every classroom, and, oh, here's what we do here, here's what we do in here... And then you just get to look around the school and the facilities and stuff like that. And that, that was basically it. Yeah, there you go. But it's good. It's, it's been good. a bit of a while since I uh, looked around a, since I looked around a high, uh, high school, fortunately. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. Sorry, um, no need for that. Yeah, I'm gone a minute. No, it was, very, it was very, very good. And we were lucky to get somebody really interested showing us around. Um, thankfully, it was a girl. Obviously, because if we'd had a boy showing us around, it would have been fucking useless because boys are dumb and stupid, as we all know. So, yeah, it was good to have a, a girl who's kind of like my daughter and that she seemed to be very interested in the same subject. She was very studious. She liked doing after school clubs and she was kind of bigging up, oh, you can do these things after school and there's these things and, you know, you can do extra drama or extra maths or extra English, whatever you want to do. You can do that after school. So, yeah, my uh, my girl was very, very happy. Cool, there you, go. you can't ask more than that, really, can you? No, not at all. I want to quickly mention this guy. I, I'm assuming you know this story, but the guy who said he charges a hundred dollars an hour for sort of, or he charges a hundred dollars for being a guest on a podcast. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't heard about this. Oh, did you not? Genuinely? No, no. Sincerely, oh. have not heard anything about it. <laughs> okay. This guy put out a tweet that he was asked to go on a podcast as a guest. And he said to the podcast people, I cannot remember the name of the podcast. I really can't. It was a sports podcast, but I can't remember what the name of it was. And he, this guest said, well, I charge $100 per podcast appearance. And the reply he got back from the podcast was, well, you can fuck off then. <laughs> well, that was the reply. <laughs> like, we're not paying you to be a guest on our show. Why would we do that? That makes no sense. So he got a bit of blowback. And the guy said, the reason I do it is, I do prep for interviews. I will look up stuff. I will kind of, it's my time and I, I value my time. So I think I'm putting a value on my time. And the guy's getting a fair bit of shit for it. But I kind of think, well, you don't have to have him on your show. And if somebody said to me, well, yeah, you know, I'd fucking, like, all right, fucking, I don't know, Paul Campbell, whatever, or Jason, or anyway, fucking Jillian Kemmer, anybody we've had on the show, if they'd said, well, I charge, $50 for, to come on I'd say oh that's you know I understand but no thanks 
I wouldn't then go on a massive kind of, oh, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you have the audacity? A, 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 a smear campaign of yeah, of, and this guy's quid as well. Like. Yeah, this guy's kind of getting dragged <laughs> over the coals. And I do feel a little bit sorry for him. It is Surely it's his choice. If you ask me, to, it's like your friends ask you to do something. Will you do this for me? Well, you have every right to say, well, I'm giving up my free time to help you. I want something in return. I mean, you don't because it's not an, you know, it's a bit of an arsehole thing to do, but you're kind of within your rights. It's yeah, you, using your free time. You ain't time. going on your mate's podcast, are you? If your mate's like, oh, can you come and yeah, that's true. have yeah, a that's chat true. About, about whatever on the podcast? Like, yeah, if you give me 100 quid. And and to an extent, if he's if he's if this person's a professional, when it comes to like covering hockey or whatever, yeah, I think I think anyone who's paid to be a sports writer, a fucking columnist, uh, a talking head on radio or TV or whatever, yeah, going on a podcast is 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 work. And and to your point, even if they aren't currently paid for it, like yeah, there's 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 nothing wrong with saying I want to be paid to do something that I don't want to do yeah that's it isn't it to be honest mate i'd rather just sit around in my pants all day and play video games but you won't be on your show so i'm giving up my free time to do that so i think you know if you can compensate me in some way that's that's fine i just don't think you should be yeah, dragged I'm, over the coals for it like that's his prerogative to ask that question just say this no. is it, even even if he is a nobody even if it was like me or me or you saying that it's going to be going to be 100 quid if you want us on uh if you want us on 31 thoughts Elliot. um that's still like okay. You might be overcharging comparative to your perceived worth or whatever, but but like you say, that's it should just stop at you know start and end with oh no thanks don't really want to pay you not not ah look at this fucking war crimes committing motherfucker who asked me <laughs> for payment in exchange of services. It's like you fucking. All right, just you know, in, internalize it yourself. Think, oh, that guy's a bit of a dick. Fuck him. Like he did. Who, whoever he is, if if he ain't your mate, even if he's is your mate, he don't fucking know you anything. Don't know you a goddamn thing. Yeah, exactly. And he's getting he's getting dragged over the coals for it. I just thought it was a bit harsh. And where do you want to start this week then? Uh, Bermuda Triangle, JFK, Madeline McCann. What should we What should we lead off with? What do you want to do? <laughs> Well, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of um, Dan Carlin on Japan in the Second World War, so I think it'd be good to do a bit of that. Oh, great! Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Japanese concentration camps always a always a fun topic. As we, <laughs> I, I was I was thinking more uh, the the specifics of uh, the uh, Prince of Wales battleship that was sunk by Japanese forces okay. in 1941. Okay, is that because that's, that's the most right. recent thing you've listened to, and that's all you can remember? That is exactly the most I've listened to that all of uh, 45 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> Do you know it got sunk by Japanese planes? You're kidding, Will. You are kidding. Yeah, mate. Got fucking sunk, yeah. Right, in the war, yeah, what they did. Got these planes, yeah. Not just planes. Not like not like an easy jet 737. Oh, God. Put, put, put fucking guns on these ones, mate. Lethal. <laughs> Lethal. Should be illegal, really, to put a gun on a plane. To be fair, having flown on EasyJet a few times, some of those planes could be illegal as well. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> is that is that because they were doing strafing manoeuvres and f- firing on docked US US naval ships? <laughs> yeah, they only flew to Dublin. I don't even know what they were doing. It took us a long way round. It was ridiculous. 
Empire. Be be careful. Read the read the terms and conditions next time you fly with like one yeah, of those airlines. That's true. You might you you could easily be conscripted, and there'd be fuck all you could do about it. Yeah, it's like in the T's and C's. In the result of ending up in a dogfight, blah 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 blah. Hang on, what? <laughs> Shit! <laughs> You're kidding me. You're like. <laughs> Suddenly, like a fucking siren starts going off, and like some the flight attendants handing out parachutes and fucking lugers. Yeah, the right. Back, <laughs> the back door opens. It's a cargo door at the back, and it opens. Go! Huh? What? Jump, I thought this was a bit spacious for uh, for for coach for economy class. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Humvees flying down and falling out. <laughs> yeah, tanks getting parachuted in. Oh god! Imagine easy jet tanks. Fucking hell. Okay, you've now you've got to you've got to pedal, okay? There's no engine, so you just gotta pedal it yourself, alright? Oh fucking hell. Shouldn't have gone with easy jet tanks. What a mistake. Pedal pedal That's what it's gonna be after 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 fossil fuels are all are all fucking used up and like we're using EMPs to stop fucking to stop our electric our, our Elon Musk Tesla tanks, it's gonna be gonna be pedal power tanks. It's straight, it all comes full circle, mate. We're going back to the Flintstones. Fucking no doubt about it. No doubt about it. <laughs> the like the the future version of the Battle of Britain is just gonna be pedalos and slingshots. <laughs> no, we're British. It'll be just it'll be pedalos and insults. That's all it'll be. <laughs> Oi, fuck off, you wanker. Yeah. Oh fucking Jerry. Go and put your go and put your towel down on that go and put your towel down on that sunbed over there. Yeah, that's what you do, innit? Yeah, go on, off you go. Yeah. <laughs> all that's these all these Germans coming over here sitting on Sunland. Yeah, all these Germans coming over here sitting. Do you know what as well? Fucking shout out. The fucking worst, worst fucking people for doing that are British people. No fucking question. A fucking British person gets their sun lounger one day. Oh my god, if it's not there the next day. Fucking hell. All hell breaks loose. And my wife is... Shout out to my wife. She's not here so I can say this. My wife is one of the worst ones. <laughs> she fucking finds her spot and that's it. We have to have that spot. My wife is getting up every day on holiday at 7am and going down and putting a fucking towels on the sun lounges. I said oh, to her, mate, why that, do you that. care? Why do you care? We're all around the pool. Who cares? Who gives a shit? All, all due respect to the to the lovely Sarah, but if you're you're getting up, putting a towel down, and then leaving, pure dickhead behaviour. That's like that's fucking outrageous behaviour. You know what's crazy though? Like you're not even you're not even using it. I know. That's, <laughs> a, that's a thing. Nobody ever moves the towels, do they? That towel is there from oh, yeah, seven a.m. You... until fucking what time we go down after breakfast? Half nine, ten, and it's still there. I I say to people, I say to Sarah all the time. If somebody came down and moved this towel, you'd go fucking nuts. This towel does not constitute a binding contract that you have over this sunge lounger. You've just put a towel on it. That doesn't mean anything. Anybody what, is allowed to What you to need to this. do... Go on. You need to, like, slightly wet the towel and leave, like, a drink as well or something. Yeah. Just Because I drinking. think if you come down and there's, like, a, a pristine dry towel on a sun lounger... Fuck it, it's going in the bin. Like that doesn't mean dog. Doesn't mean dog. Because like the the whole idea of not moving the towel is like, oh well, maybe they're in the pool. Maybe they're they're going to come back in a second. I don't want to be caught in the act. That's the only reason people don't do it. It's like, oh, I don't want to be. I don't want to have to have to have a 
uh, it's it's such an aggressive thing because it's instilling that fear of like, oh, if I sit here, someone's going to come and have a go at me and say that I took their seat. That's the only reason people don't do it. So yeah, don't if there's a, if there's a dry towel and nobody's in, especially seven a.m. What if you get there at like half seven and there's nobody in the fucking pool, but there's this goddamn towel on the side, towels everywhere on the sun lounges, mate. You while can everyone's tell, gone back to back to fucking bed. You can tell oh. how long it's been since you've been to a foreign holiday place like that, because that's what happens. We would come down for breakfast at eight o'clock. Damn near every single sun lounger has a towel on it. There is not a single person fucking anywhere near the pool. Not even somebody sat on the edge of the sickos. pool with their legs in it. It's fucking nuts. It's such tribalism over a fucking sun lounger. This is my space. I've got my space. This is my castle. You can't have it. <laughs> That's all it is. Thinking, why'd you give a shit? Why'd you care? It's a fucking sun lounger. There's f- a thousand of them here. Who cares? No. God. And then we have... Imagine if you... Imagine if you started doing that in like other other places. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, fucking parking spaces at the Tesco or whatever. Dude, I was just thinking that. You can't park there. Why? Because I've had my shoes on that space for three days. That's my space. I'll be back later. <laughs> I'll put, what? I'll put my towel down. Yeah, I'll put my towel down. That's my space. You can't oh, have fucking... you can't have this packet of pasta. Why? Because I've, I've I've scrolled my name on the back in pen. That's my pasta now. Fucking whatever. Oh yeah, like I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some more milk at the end of the week. So I uh, I put my put my sticker on this one. <laughs> I've put my tiny milk towel on it. <laughs> oh my god, it's crazy. Oh, it's, it? It's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's it is awful, awful behaviour. That's one of those things that comedians will pull apart. It's the crazy grey area of life where if you did that in any other place, you'd be considered an absolute psychopath. I can't remember who had... There's a comedian that has a joke about road rage and that if somebody's driving a bit too close to you, front or behind you, you're like, what's your fucking problem? Why do you fuck off? Like, fucking hell, Jesus Christ. Yet, if you got in a lift... And a guy stood maybe two inches closer to you than he should. You wouldn't turn to him and go, "What's your fucking problem?" <laughs> but no, because you're in a car, you suddenly turn into a crazy person. And the rules of that are different to the rules of just being out and about with people. It's so fucking bizarre. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Like road rage and a lot of behaviour that people have in in cars and on the road, like in in regards to like their aggression, is definitely a, a, an odd phenomenon. But like, I get. Yeah, the the comparison of like oh people driving too close to you or whatever, like I think it is it is a bit apples to oranges because like it's because of like the da- the inherent danger of fucking being on the road at all. Do you know what I mean? I mean driving Car- is the cars are fucking dangerous. Travel. Oh yeah, it's the scariest way to travel. It is, yeah, it's, do it every it's day. Fucking don't even think about it. it. And and not even just for you, like it's it's your people around you, like people on the fucking. I always think. Do you ever think about walking on the pavement and then there's just cars going past you at fucking thirty miles an hour? There's Dude, no yeah, all the time. No nothing time. nothing to stop you for you could just think about all the times that you just like I don't know, catch your foot on your ankle and you just fuck it. Not fall straight over, but like close enough. Yeah, I'm surprised. We, we talk about <laughs> we, were, we were talking about Parkinson's and brain aneurysms off the air, as you fucking do. There will be some hockey soon, I promise people. But you, th- you think about, we're talking about, I'm su- we're surprised that doesn't, you know, people aren't falling down with aneurysms every fucking day. Why aren't people falling in the road every fucking day? Yeah, no idea. No idea. The, 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 the Terrifying kind of, shit. The default limit on British roads is 30 miles an hour. There are some very built up places now where it's 20. 
But even still, 20 miles an hour, getting hit by a car at 20 miles an hour would fucking suck. It's not good. Yeah, it doesn't seem to happen that much. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's a bit, especially if you just slip off the pavement and then you're like yeah. prone in front of a moving car that can't stop. Like you just get fucking run over by a fucking, especially the size of these cars now, like you know, those fucking pickup trucks and a massive SUVs floating around. I mean, a little a little smart car going over my back. Fair enough, that's not too bad. But I'm not um, gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna kill many people in my Yaris, am I? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so. You'd have to. You'd have to be. You'd have to be trying, wouldn't you? It'd be like um, it'd be like the thing in Fantastic Four. If I hit someone in my Yaris, my car would just fold around them. <laughs> just crumple to pieces. The, the beauty of crumple zones, yeah. Yeah. So my car would just fall apart. <laughs> Oh God! I want to quickly, Christ, quickly mention this before we uh, move on to actual hockey talk. Even maybe, even maybe loosely based hockey talk. I've got to shout out Michael K. Williams, who passed away a few weeks ago. We didn't mention it, but I needed to mention it. And you've kind of recently started rewatching The Wire because you'd only seen a few episodes, and like you're trying to like work your way through it again. Yes, because you hadn't. And dude, shout out to Michael K. Williams, one of the first character actors I ever saw who I just absolutely fell in love with. Played Omar in The Wire, played Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire, fucking has been in a million things. A phenomenal guy. And Omar in The Wire is it's like it's like Heath Ledger's Joker. You forget that this is how good he was, is that you forget you're watching an actor and that when I was watching, I use the Heath Ledger thing all the time, because when I was watching The Dark Knight at the cinema, in my brain, I'm subconsciously, and I was kept thinking, oh yeah, that's Christian Bale playing Batman. Yet, when the Joker was on the screen, I couldn't see Heath Ledger. And that's what Michael K. Williams did with, especially especially with Omar, was I wouldn't, I couldn't see Michael K. Williams. I was watching Omar on screen. Just a, a fucking powerhouse, a, a genius actor, a great dude. And yeah, R.I.P. A fucking uh, a giant in the industry lost for for a little slither of you know, a vertical slice, if you will, of what Michael K. Williams could do as an actor. Try and look up his his little solo thing on being typecast, where oh, he has yeah. all his different famous characters in the same room talking about you know has he been typecast for his career? What has that meant for him? What were the alternatives like? An incre- it's only like three three and a half minutes long, but an incredible incredible piece of work not only showcasing what Michael K. Williams can do could do as an actor but also it's just a poignant look on on blackness in Hollywood for want of a better way of putting it and and especially for a guy like Williams who you know played a lot of gangsters and and is that a good thing is that a bad thing was that his fault was that their fault what, what does it mean when <laughs> When a Mexican actor, all of his credits are Hector, the gangster, or like, you know, a black actor is like, ah, oh, you know, oh, blood number one, crip number two, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, fucking incredible bit of acting. But while we're quickly on the on the subject of um, paying our respects to, to to dead legends, pour one out for fucking Norm Macdonald. What a what an incredible comedian! What an incredible incredible comedian! Yeah, smart idea. You don't need me to fucking tell you about Norm Macdonald. Just get on YouTube and and watch hours upon hours of him being the funniest geezer that's ever fucking existed. He, um, yeah, what what a guy, what a guy. One of the 
one of the things I loved about Norm Macdonald, we, I talked about this on my other show, but and I won't go into it too much, was that comedy is incredibly, incredibly subjective. And while I appreciate Norm Macdonald, I never found him that hilarious. He wasn't not, he wasn't not funny. Like I said on my other show, he's not fucking Dara O'Brien who can just fucking walk into the sea. <laughs> Norm Macdonald is actually don't be, funny. Don't be nasty to Dara. Dara's all right. He no, tries. No, terrible. Um, he... Norm Macdonald is one of the few remaining comedians who would just treat everything like a joke. It's just a joke. I think Bill Burr is somebody else who does that, who does it really well, in that he will make a joke that makes you go, ooh, like that. But then when he explains it, it then becomes funnier, and you think, oh, yeah, there actually there is comedy in this. I can see what you're getting at now. And one of them was the Norm Macdonald. Have you ever heard that clip from when he did the ESPYs? Oh, the fu- the OJ clip, <laughs> the Heisman, the Heisman joke. Uh, yeah, the Heisman joke. Oh my god! Oh my fucking god! Oh, I'm not going to repeat it, that- folks. Look up the Heisman joke from Norm Macdonald. I'm prepared to pick your mouth up off the floor. I think the the <laughs> another beautiful one is if you have you ever seen him on the View from like the nineties or whatever it was or early two thousands. Oh yeah, I've watched I've watched a lot of his stuff recently because he's passed away. So I, was like, I went through like a binge. You gotta 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 brush up. But like, yeah, just quickly to to expunge on your point, like I think the thing that makes McDonald, but anyone else who you can, Frankie Boyle, anyone else you can throw into this sort of realm of, like, I I wouldn't think of Norm McDonald as like a shock comedian, but you are right to say that a lot of his jokes are across the line, across the line. But it's it's understanding, like you say, that it that it is all a joke to these people and and finding the hundreds of other examples where like i think i think norman norm especially like he's fucking ahead of the curve and like not i'd say smarter than people but that so there's this fantastic clip of him on a radio show it's and i'd say he's you know, ahead of the curve or smarter than anyone but he's, he's, he's on this radio show and it starts out with they're talking about therapy and he, he turns it into a bit of you know playing against the the radio host about yeah he's painting this horrendously depressing life of you know not all he does is read mark twain and sit in a dark room or whatever and he's claiming that doesn't make him depressed all a bit but it slowly uh mutates moves on to 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 norm saying the line about um because they start taking questions from from call-ins or whatever he says that he says something akin to yeah uh by and large Black, he makes the joke of, oh, by and large, black people are poor and poor people are dangerous, so I don't go to where black people live. To which the the hosts of the radio show are, are obviously shocked. Yeah, I was like, oh, no. But, and, and, and their response is saying, well, black people aren't poor. I know rich black people. And, like, without even getting stressed about it, just carrying on as he is, like, Norm's not, not even belaboring the point, just saying, like, okay, yeah, because you know rich black people doesn't mean that black people aren't poor. And it's the whole the whole rest of the conversation is like these radio hosts not understand, you know, just honing in on what they perceive to be the racist and offensive part of it of saying all black people are poor, which is not what he's actually saying. He's saying something which, you know, now I think this was 10, 15 years ago. Nowadays it's very openly accepted that, you know, he's commenting on the fucking disparity in in treatment of ethnic minorities within the United States and the world at large. So it's it's moments like that that kind of back up 
for a lot of these people. And you see it with Frankie Boiler when he talks on news-related talk shows and stuff like that. Yeah, these these jokes are to highlight the fucking inequalities and, and almost weed out the snakes in the grass, if you will, who, who aren't fucking understanding the core of it, which is, as comedy has done for centuries, pointing out the inequalities and the injustices in the world. So, yeah, fucking pour one out for Norm MacDonald. What a geezer. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's start the show. Let's do it. On time today. Fucking hell, look at that. Not Not an hour and a half into it. Of course, sponsored by Wave Intel. Get over to Wave Intel now and check out all the stats you need for the rapidly approaching, somehow, upcoming season. The absolute best thing on there, and I plug this all the time, is the comparison charts. You can compare teams and players against their complete opposites for another team or another player. Get over to Wave Intel now. Wave Intel, online and on Twitter, being smart so you don't have to. Check out the Three Men and Their Babies podcast at men underscore babies on Twitter. I'm on iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, Smart Speakers, anywhere else you can listen, all the podcast providers. Leave us a nice review. Helps a lot. Tell your friends if you like the show, because deep down, I have a good heart. So you finally watched the Danbury Trashers documentary. <laughs> yes, I did. Mate, yes, I did. Crime, was, crime and penalties, you could Crime say. and penalties, mate. Wasn't that fantastic? Fantastic. It, it, was, it was really good. It was really good. Um... I, I was I was thinking about it even while watching it. I feel it is a very good documentary. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to someone who isn't a hockey fan, or at the very least, isn't like a hardcore sports fan. It is very interesting, but like the I think the FBI side of it was a bit the the criminal aspect of it was a little bit weak. There wasn't really enough there to. Yeah, that's true. Non-sports fans, and then a lot of the trashers side of it. You know, salacious, amazing, really interesting for for hockey fans and, and again hardcore sports fans. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't get my fucking dad to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Like, because because I think a lot of it is is tied up in like previous understanding and love of the game of hockey. Yeah, and like you say, even even the FBI stuff about Jimmy Galanti, it wasn't like you know he was on the hook for seventy three murders or. You know things that people are yeah. like. Oh, yeah, this is juicy and gore. Oh, yeah, this is. It was more just yeah the usual. Well, he didn't pay some bills, and he kind of did a bad racketeering, and he had these guys roughed up, and that doesn't play to like that kind of crowd anymore. Like you know, when you've got documentaries well, I... about the fucking Night Stalker and the Yorkshire Ripper and stuff like that, that doesn't really move the needle. So you're right. I think even that side of the documentary wouldn't appeal to kind of non-sports fans. And I think even even ignoring the um, comparatively tame level of crime committed by Jimmy Galante, it wasn't a focus of the documentary at all. Like, there's a very cursory mention to kidnapping and like, uh, you know, setting other garbage trucks on fire from competing firms and that, which is all interesting. But it's just passing mention. They they spend more time focusing on fucking. What was it, Jimmy the Horse, whatever the geezer's name was? Like, and even then, they were like, I don't fucking know who this geezer is. <laughs> what's, that, what's that guy's name? It wasn't Jimmy the Horse. It was something the horse. I... Fuck, I can't remember. I watched it like a month ago. I cannot remember, but 
Yeah, there you, there you go. Very, very good. If, if you're a if you're a hockey freak, you're a fucking hockey freak. I can I can tell. I can smell you through the through the wires. Um, yeah, and you haven't watched it. Fucking get out there and watch it. It's fucking madness. Absolutely madness. And it's it's definitely one of those documentaries from the hockey point of view. Just gets like crazier and crazier on the ice from where it starts. Yeah, you think yeah, the premise of our oh, mafia mob boss buys a hockey team and gives it to a seventeen year old son. Dude, dude, the real Tony Soprano. Oh man from <laughs> It's so early in the documentary when they just like show that picture to to Jimmy to James or whatever it is to Jimmy the real Tony Soprano signed uh, oh, James so James Gandolfini name? who was Tony James, Soprano James Gandolfini, yeah. <laughs> if you need anything else in the show Tony Soprano's son is called AJ Jimmy Galanti's son who ends up running the team is called AJ it's it's the trash business, same with Sopranos. It's all based it's, off that. It's fucking too much, in it? It's too he is, much. He is the real Tony Soprano. He just is. And basically, folks, the premise is, if you've not seen it yet, the premise is, is that at one point, Jimmy Galanti's son, AJ, gets really into hockey. And Jimmy even said, I wasn't really interested. I'd rather he played football, but he loved hockey. So, right, we want to play hockey. We'll get him into hockey. So he's playing hockey, uh, AJ Galanti is, and he gets injured. And it is to the point where he can no well, longer play. Well, he's, you're, you're, you're under, you're, you're underselling it. Like Sorry. he's playing high school at a decent, decent level, probably going to go on to college. Yeah. Yeah. Not going not to be like an AHL draft bit, but I guarantee he'd have at least played like Div 2, Div 3 hockey. And he was basically like fucking Tom Wilson, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he maybe said not to the extent of doing dirty shit, but like, you know, decent enough and, was there for he was he was a fucking WWE fan before he was a hockey fan sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, he said he loved it. The two things I love: ice hockey and wrestling. <laughs> I was like, okay, my guy. What? Here we go. <laughs> what a legend! What a guy! Yeah. Then he gets that injury, so it's like <laughs> we're jumping about a little bit. But well, he gets injured. He gets injured, and the premise of the show is is that AJ Galante, seventeen years old. His dad buys the Danbury Trashers, which is a team in... Oh, fucking hell. What league were they in again? Uh, the UHL, formerly the IHL. That was it, the UHL. So his dad buys... Like a, genu- a genuine fucking league. It's yeah, like buying team. an AHL team for your kid. Yes, genuine team in a genuine league. So his dad buys his son a team. And his kid at 17 years old is the president and the general manager. And it's then about how this guy ends up building, this 17-year-old lad, AJ, ends up building this team. And it's off to the fucking races. I love it so much. (laughs) Then because because he was a massive wrestling fan, he just hires all of these guys because they've got a good backstory and they're interesting. Maybe not because they're actually good players. I mean, some of them were good players, you know, could at least play a bit, at least. But it wasn't like he was kind of scouting and going nuts. He was just thinking, like... um, like well, Nigerian... he was scouting, but he was like scouting, scouting for the wrong reasons. Like, yeah, it was like the night. Yeah, he, he oh, again. I can forget everyone's name, but he had the guy who was the Nigerian nightmare, and he said, "Well, he was called the Nigerian nightmare, so he had to be on my team." <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, again, one eyed Willie, and like because because he, he had that. It was it was the Mighty Ducks that got him into hockey. Oh, that was so it. Was yeah, like, that was it. Oh, uh, Ruben and Dur was a Nigerian night- nightmare. Yes, thank you, thank um, you. Getting those fucking brothers in. Like, yeah, the twins. 
Mate, it it was in, it was incredible. It was a- absolutely incredible. Like the the idea of this, the first player they fucking announced is Brent Gretzky. Like what the this kid? Okay, I, so I came away from the documentary fucking conflicted because yes, while Jimmy Galante isn't the Yorkshire Ripper, he's not fucking he's not Jeffrey Epstein. Still did some pretty bad shit. You yeah, know what I mean? Some bad like, things. Kid, kidnapped a geezer, you know, a lot of racketeering, all that shit. That's not that's not good, you know. Steal from corporations, don't set Joe the garbage man's garbage truck on fire. It is my opinion, but I still came away from it kind of endeared by him, absolutely endeared by AJ. Like poor, poor fucking AJ's never done anything wrong to anyone. Do you know what I mean? He's just a fucking kid. He's just a bit of a bit of a knob. No, not even a knob. Like just a bit of a bell end. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, and it's it's the scene at the end with the re the the reunion with uh, was the section one hundred and two or whatever it was the 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 yeah, hardcore, like the, hardcore the fucking trash the Danbury Trasher Ultras, <laughs> the reunion at that pub, and and like the the interweaving story of that that couple the 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 woman in the wheelchair and the geezer with the tash yeah yeah that really kind of showed you like what the Galantes did was such a good thing for that community, like. You, well, you even take it back to like when he, he was opening hospitals and like part funding schools and shit, which I know yeah, doesn't yeah. excuse organised crime and that, but like there was an element to it that did tug on your heartstrings a bit, especially when you look at like the relationship between like um uh Jimmy and AJ and there's that bit at the end with Brad Wingfield where he's like, Oh Jimmy Galante changed my life, you know. I I absolutely love that man. I haven't seen. I'd love to see him again. And then he walks into the fucking bar and he starts crying. Yeah, like just all these little bits where you're like, "Fucking hell, man!" Like, yeah, that I was, mean, that was the weird still... thing was everybody who either worked for Jimmy or was on that team, they had nothing but good things to say about him. They just he was like they said he was so nice to me. He was a great guy. He would give me extra stuff. He would give me money. He would do these things for me. I, he said, like, I've got nothing bad to say about him. I don't know what, like, obviously he, other things went on and he did other criminal things that he went to jail for, but he was always really nice to me. And that just seemed like there was nobody who seemed to, and like you say, the scene at the bar on the end is everyone just loves him because they're like, oh my God, you gave us a team. You gave us this bonding experience and all this kind of thing. Yeah, I was the same as you. I was kind of conflicted in regards to, yeah, he kind of did some bad stuff, but I don't know. Everyone seems to love the guy. I did like, um, I, <laughs> I did like AJ when he hired his old coach from high school, and he said, right. <laughs> and he said, uh, like the old coach used to check the shit out of the kids. So it shows images of this fully grown man checking the shit out of these like eleven year olds. <laughs> and the narrator goes, "Did you ever check kids?" And he goes, "Oh God, yeah. Man, cocaine's a hell of a drug." <laughs> <laughs> that that geezer, the fucking kit man, dude. Oh, what a fucking straight out of GTA. What a guy. Absolute what a character. Guy. character. Shaved head, massive aviators, chain, pink shirt, puffing a cigar, constant oh, cigar on a, the go. What a geezer. What a, what a piece of shit. But what a fucking geezer. Oh my god. The 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 the, the one last thing I'd say on it that absolutely sold me from the get go. That I thought. Premise aside, like, this is going to be incredible. The fucking editing at the start of the documentary, when it's the, when it's the commissioner of the UHL, 
you know, talking about meeting Jimmy Galante and then meeting AJ. And he's like, you yeah, know, AJ comes in, he's, he's fucking tricked out in early 2000s uh, gangster wear, you know, fucking massive baked T-shirts, big chains, all that sort of shit. And then the, the fucking commissioner says, oh, no, so, I, so I said to AJ, like, you know, if... If you do something to embarrass your team, there's going to be a problem. If you do something to embarrass the league, there's going to be a problem. If you do something to embarrass the game of hockey, there's going to be a problem. And after each of those, it's like cutting in fucking like, you know, people punching each other on the fucking, you know, punching the guys down on the ice, like mental fights, all this fucking shit. And then he says, um, also, are we going to have a problem, AJ? AJ says to me, he's like, no, no, sir, no, sir, we're not going to have any problem at all. And then it cuts to present day AJ laughing in such a fucking maniacal Hollywood fashion. <laughs> and then it just cuts to the title screen. Get that documentary a fucking Oscar for editing alone because that was the best bit of editing I've seen in my goddamn life. That was so good. Oh, my. I think it was I'm as well, getting, like. I'm getting goosebumps that... thinking about it. That commissioner had a massive Napoleon complex, didn't he? You could just tell. He fucking loved being the commissioner. He just fucking loved it. Like, thinking yeah, he was th- thinking th- he's fucking Gaz Bettman or something. And I understand it's his yeah, job to keep the league going, but you could tell he just loved that power he had. You could tell. You could tell. Standard standard 200 hockey men behaviour. Yeah, true, true. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. He was, he was just... I think... I don't know who he was... I think he was probably related to somebody, but yeah, like, yeah, st- yeah, he definitely did have a Napoleon complex, and of course he fucking did. Oh, there's there was so many things. The fir- the opening game, the first night after AJ's taken over, the first proper game. Brad Ringfield says he's sat on the bench and he gets a phone handed to him and he's like, what the fuck? So he answers the phone and it's just Jimmy Glant and he goes, drop the gloves and he goes, okay then, <laughs> and just out he goes and starts fighting straight away. <laughs> oh my god! I, I don't even. There are so many other bits. Like, um, I, I, I don't even want to say because anyone who hasn't seen it, there are bits that are like surprising. Obviously, yeah, there's loads of fighting, this, that, and the other. But like, there are some bits in that hockey-related and mafia-related that are fucking surprising and beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I, Dude, I, I don't. Mic- I don't even want to say. Oh, either way, I'm going to say I don't mind. Oh, go on, go on. The Mike Rupp story is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Mike Rupp, who had scored the clink, was it the clinching goal in the Stanley Cup final that year? I, th- I, think, it was, I think it was the the winning one in yeah. 2003 because he, he came during the lockout, so it was like a season before. There's a lockout. Mike Rupp gets a phone call off his agent, and his agent goes, We've got this team in Danbury called the Trashers, and they want to sign you, and you can play in the UHL. So Mike says, okay then. And his agent says, they're going to pay you in a, in a duffel bag full of cash. <laughs> he goes, what? He says, yeah, they're just going to pay you with a bag full of cash. And Mike goes, all right then, fair enough. <laughs> Off he goes. All right. And and the bit with um, after Wingfield gets injured and they go around to his fucking house oh, with the guy who injured him and Tress and is like, what do you want us to do? <laughs> so a bunch of, yeah. Brad Wingfield oh, gets in a... Gets, um, he gets his shirt gets pulled. Gets slew, slew-footed, basically. slew-footed, yeah, by... Um, I can't remember his first name, but it was somebody else. Was it Alzina? No, no, it wasn't Alzina. I, I forget what it was. I think he played for the Kalamazoo Wings. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, anyway. So, and it's... I think it was like a compound fracture of Wingfield's leg. I mean, he was out for fucking ages. So, sort of like two, three weeks after, he's, he's like convalescing at home. 
Jimmy Galanti and his boy turns up with this other player's address who's injured Brad Wingfield and says, right, what are we doing then? What are we doing with him? <laughs> and Brad's like, uh, <laughs> let me know. It's fine, guys. Uh, but in the documentary, nothing. in the documentary, Brad goes, you fucking owe me, you fucking motherfucker. <laughs> like, Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ, this was. guy would have been whacked <laughs> if they said. Isn't it? Like, he fucking would have been. Like, I... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh. We don't, don't wish death on anyone, but fucking hell, how salacious would that have been if uh, Jimmy Galante had murdered a hockey player for injuring one of us? One of the twins said, <laughs> oh, didn't they? They were playing. God. Was it they're in OT and one of the twins scored the game winning goal? So they're all celebrating in the locker room. Jimmy Galante walks in with 10 grand, like in a bag, just chucks on the floor and goes, Great game, boys. Go out and enjoy yourselves. Just just a bag of 10 grand of cash. Off you go, lads. Go and have some fun. Yeah, they're oh. going to like. You know, privately rented New York restaurants and shit like that as a fucking minor league team. Like, yeah, oh yeah, great, great documentary. A, a fucking great story. Great story. A great story. So much fun. You got to check it out, people. It was a ton of fun. A ton. And if you're a degenerate listening to this, because you know, if you're listening to this, you are a degenerate. Then it's absolutely up your street. Absolutely. So good. So good. All right. Uh, interestingly, a little bit, a little tidbit from Jonathan Duran this week I thought was interesting. He's uh, rejoining the Canadians after tying them off to uh, deal with some issues. And he said he had anxiety and insomnia, which is as somebody who Jesus. suffers and has suffered uh, badly from insomnia, I can understand why he's, uh, you know, it made sense for him to take that time off. He said he had a good summer and a good break, spent some time with his family and friends. Um, hopefully, he can, uh, hopefully he can turn it back around because you never like to see it. No, absolutely, and and again, I'm sure we said it at the time, but like, fucking hats off to Jonathan Drouin. Hats off. I don't care what the diagnosis is, even if you don't have a formal fucking diagnosis. If you need to, yeah, I hate that we still have to have this conversation. But if you are a man, especially a man in prominent uh, position in the manliest sport in the world, we're allowed to have punch each other in the face because this is fucking hockey this is for men to to hold your hands up and say i am struggling with my mental health be it be it formal or or, or otherwise to put your hands up and say i need to stop and i need to focus on my own mental health fucking power to him power to him and 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 to to clarify yes it's very important for men to do this because we're all pieces of shit and we don't fucking talk about our feelings but Whatever, whatever gender identity you have, you know, male, female, non-binary, cis, trans, whatever it might be, it is still very brave of you to fucking put your hands up and say, oh, "I'm struggling with my, my mental health." So we there's so much focus on on cis men doing it, cis white men especially, like you know, accepting that mental health issues are real, but we shouldn't overlook the fact that like is hard for everyone to make that uh, admission so yeah power to John Duran and power to fucking anyone who does it anyone who does it yeah power you know what as well credit to the Canadians because I wonder how many players yeah. have gone to their team in the past and said I just don't feel good and either the GM or the president goes I don't care we've got St. Louis Tuesday get on the plane <laughs> that's it <laughs> okay fair enough yeah, so, oh yeah. Oh, oh you don't feel good. Oh, nobody feels good. What do you want to ride the pine or do you want to go down to the fucking AHL? That's yeah. that's what those conversations would have been, isn't it? Would you rather feel good here or in Laval? Which one do you think? Which one's better? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's Thanks. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair fair play. Fair play. That's that shouldn't be overlooked. 
I got to quickly mention this before I forget. So this is a, a linking against a wrestling, but this is hockey related. So in wrestling at the moment in WWE, they're going through a thing where they want lots of new young talent, not older talent. It's a whole boring thing, fucking whatever. And they change. They always change wrestlers' names so that they can own the intellectual property. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Do you know that a new wrestler has debuted on WWE's like minor league brand NXT, and he chose? The, I'll give you three guesses. Well, right? He plays. He plays basically an Italian American sort of. I don't want to say mobster type. But that kind of Guido type character, Jersey Shore, Jersey sort of, uh... type, but the rougher end, not like not not Jersey Shore type, but the kind of rougher end, you know, like gold chain, wife beater, probably watches the Yankees, that kind of character. Uh, I'll give you three guesses if you can work out what name he's chosen, and it's the name of a hockey player as his wrestler I... name. I hate to break the kayfabe, but I'm getting extreme deja vu, and I think we've spoken about this already, maybe off the air. Is it for five hundred dollars? Who is Tony D'Angelo? It is indeed Tony D'Angelo. Oh, mate, they've got to have a storyline of him like being racist or something. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. You can clearly tell because WWE likes to paint this image that they're that they're whiter than white and never do anything terrible. So anytime they can kind of avoid bad publicity, they will. They clearly have no fucking clue why this rookie wrestler has chosen this name. They have clearly got no idea. Because I can't imagine for one second they would allow that to fly if they knew who the real Tony D was. But like, why would... I, d- I just don't... I... Tony D'Angelo feels like a, a, a fairly... Um... I don't know if you if you asked some like ten year old to invent a cool Italian mobster name, like they would end up at Tony D'Angelo at some point, you know what I mean? I can't There's imagine so many that you could this have... wrestling geezer has chosen Tony D'Angelo because of, uh, you know, no, nobody outside of NHL fans know who fucking Tony D'Angelo is. But maybe he's, hockey, maybe, he's a, like, maybe he's a hockey fan. Maybe he's a hockey fan. Well, even if he is, why would he, why? Why would you do that, like, deliberately? I don't know. It, it, has, to be, it has to, to be unrelated. Edge. To <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, what a fucking, what a nutter. Dude, there's a, the saying in wrestling is, you want a reaction. The worst thing yeah. in wrestling is no reaction. If people hate you, great. If they love you, great. If they have no opinion of you, that's terrible. As a wrestler, you are not allowed to just blend in and just be another guy. There's a, It's called a jag. Just a guy. He's a jag. He's just a guy. You don't want to be a jag in wrestling. That's the worst thing. Maybe he was thinking that. Maybe he was thinking, "I'll play it," you know, "I'll play it this way," because those well, why didn't, those who why know, didn't he go know. for? He should have gone for an Austrian painter gimmick then. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe there may be some names that are too close to the bone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, if the WWE had like. Osama Bin Laden, like, but not not an Osama Bin Laden character, just a character called Osama Bin Laden. Like, yeah. 
But he was Bowser like, I don't know. he was completely, he was so far removed from Osama. He was like some, he was like Chinese heritage, but he, and he was from like Portland or something. Just like so, and he was a hippie. Just so far away removed from that, but his character name was Osama Bin Laden. Or, or, or even if they took all their jags, like, you know, black pants, black boots, black knee pads, you know, that standard, like, the creator wrestler default on fucking SmackDown 2. To all of those geezers and just gave them outrageous names. <laughs> like no, no. The only gimmick is the is the outrageous name. Like, yeah. Oh, Hailing from from Cambodia, Paul Pot. It's just some white geezer with slick back hair. <laughs> They'd have to be Paul. <laughs> Paul Pot. Paul Paul Pot, and then his entrance music is holiday in Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> Hailing oh from goodness. Great Britain, Frederick West. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's a builder gimmick. <laughs> oh my god. Dear me. Atrocities, eh? What are they? Atrocities. Shit. How have we become the how have we, we become last podcast on the left? This wasn't meant to happen. They're in they're my inspiration, but Jesus Christ. We're uh, we're think- we're 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 becoming shock jocks, is what we we're are. Becoming, yeah, we're becoming, any, yeah, yeah, we need like a, we need a sound effects board. That's what we need next. That'll be the oh, fall. Mate, we've need, we've needed it for fucking four years. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, after piggybacking off what we talked about last week and the COVID thing, there were two developments this week. The Columbus Blue Jackets still taking a hard line as they tell Zach Ronaldo, "Yeah, don't bother turning up to camp because uh, you're not vaccinated." Because Ronaldo went to a anti-vax rally. So they just said, yeah, don't bother coming. We're just going to send you straight down. Don't turn up. Okay, then. God, and th- talk, about, talk about fucking um, sticking with the gimmick. Jesus. I know, fucking hell, yeah. Zach Ronaldo should be a wrestler. He fucking lives his gimmick, doesn't he? Jesus. Oh, mate, 20, 24-7. Why, like, nah, they, sh- they shouldn't be allowed to send him down. They should have to have him in there as punishment for fucking signing Zach Ronaldo in the year of our Lord 2021. I mean, you make a fair point, actually. Yeah. I mean, what did you, what did you think? You, what did the Columbus think? What did Columbus think they were getting? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, are you you're surprised? I'm more annoyed at your surprise than I am at what he did. <laughs> How are you surprised? We're uh, we're sending Jack Ronaldo down because he didn't uh, didn't get vaccinated. Oh, not because he's a fucking utter piece of shit who can't play hockey. Okay, good to good to know. <laughs> yeah, it's always like uh, I know Bill Burr has a joke about racist old white people. And he says, what did you think they thought? Why are you surprised when old white people are racist? What do you think they think? Why, like, are you, why are you surprised at this? That's what annoys him. Why are you surprised that that's what they think? Why are people annoyed at Zach Ronaldo for this? It's Columbus's fault. And then just an all-time... You talk about, we talked about comedy before. All-time comedy tweet. Did you see about uh, Lou? So Lou Lamarello was interviewed and said the same thing, basically. We're at 100% and, you know, fully vaccinated, double vaxxed, all good to go. And he said, um, if people don't want to get vaccinated, that's their choice. But, you know, we will then deal with that in the way we see fit. And then Stephen Wino had a tweet, <laughs> which was, I'm going to read this for a I love where this is going already. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to read this verbatim. And you just know that this came from Lou, no question. Lou Lamorello says Islanders organization is fully vaccinated, including all players except one. That is his voluntary decision not to be vaccinated, in quotes. 
out of quotes next, team are signing him to Europe. He won't be invited to camp. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh. I love it so much. I love how who, cold it is. Who is it? I don't know. I don't know. Teams New York Islanders. Straight to cap friendly. What can we see? Nah, they haven't, they haven't had any, um, unsurprisingly... The secrets of uh, of Lou Lamarello are not easily revealed on Cap Friendly with a simple filter. Who would it be though? That I can't is... imagine it'd be anybody sort of noticeable it's, though. Or it's maybe gotta be gotta be some AHL player. They ain't they ain't gonna just fucking send. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, all of all of the the Islanders are just a guy, so I don't, I don't fucking know anything about these people. You know what I mean? I couldn't. Do you know I'm gonna pick? Do you know I'm gonna pick? Go on. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to make a pick right now. I'm going to say Richard Panic. That's my pick. Again, based off literally nothing. I have 0% information, zero yeah, knowledge. I, I but know I just that one. that one just jumped out at me for some reason. I don't know why. Going straight to Europe makes me think that it has to be a European to be fair, doesn't it? Yeah. And I'm thinking he's only just got there. Maybe he doesn't quite understand when Lou says something. That's it kind of thing. <laughs> I I don't know. I reckon if you're if you're an NHL vet, you are more than familiar with. I don't know Lou, though. Lou Lamorello and his fucking I don't know uh, way of operating. I mean, maybe, but because I was just thinking, like he's only especially he, there. there's no one he, else. He played. He played for Lou though. He played for Lou. In oh yes, 2016. he did. Yes, he did. You're right. He did. So not to not to poo poo your uh, your idea. But there's no one else it could be though. I don't I'm think, gonna anyway. say yeah, just fucking name name out of nowhere. Um, oh, no, I've fucking Dimitro Timoshov. Fuck know. off! That's just what I was gonna say. <laughs> Is it really? All right, I'll, I'll yeah. take I'll, I'll take Otto Koivula then. Okay, okay. We'll soon find out though. We'll soon find out. But I just love that so we much. Bet, we that little do. bit. That little bit tacked on at the end. Team assigning to Europe won't be invited to camp. <laughs> Immediately, oh, it's fucking, it's it's beautiful, isn't it? Ah, oh, great stuff, great stuff. All right, a couple of signings. Did we talk about Chara going back to the island or not? I don't think we did, did we? No, we no, talked I about it on our chat, not on here. Happened afterwards, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a smart move. Yeah, but I don't. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. Again, if the guy can still play, I mean, fucking, why not stick him on the third line? Give him ten minutes a night. That's all you need. Fucking, you got Chara in your organization, then. He's doing other things, not just playing hockey. He is that guy who, I mean, like you know, you've got like two or three captains on the ice, and he is probably the captainest captain to ever captain. I I still think there's a chance that he can play second pair of minutes for him. I, mean, I know he's forty four, but down that left hand side, right, they've got Adam Pelek, he's locked in. Then Andy Green and Sebastian Aho. I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Chara was. You know, worked out better than them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Arho, Arho only played fucking three games last year for the Islanders, so I don't know if he was injured or not, but still, like I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Two of the big fish are off the board in return in terms of signings. Elvis Merzlikins gets five years at five point four million, and Kirill Kaprizov is done, five years at nine million. What are, your, what are your thoughts on those two? Go Merzlikins first. It's a lot, lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And, and extension as well. Going to kick in when he says 28. 
But it's, it's only five years. Okay, that's not that's not the end of the world. But, I mean, well, be th- he has been good on a very bad team. Yeah, yeah, he has. He has. But he's still like a second-year goalie. I suppose. I, I mean, it's clear now that it's clear now that Corpusalo is going to get the boot. He's obviously going to get traded somewhere because yeah, oh, absolutely. And you, especially as well. Shit. Uh, I don't know. Like they might try and keep hold of him because because if we're looking at like a tandem league, you know what I mean. Yeah, but Corpusalo's... if you're giving Merzlikins, if you're giving Merzlikins five point four, I mean, you're not going to get Corpusalo for like two, are you? You're just not. He's going to yeah. That's a fair that. shout. That's a fair shout. I think. Oh yeah, I don't know enough about their goalie prospects but yeah you can find a fucking backup goalie anywhere can't you I just yeah so I don't know that that it was a bad team still is a bad team but it was a torch team which for me say what you want about it I think that probably lightens the load on a on a goalie I, I just don't see like maybe, maybe I overestimate how much money these teams should be should be saving on these contracts for goalies but like He's played two fucking seasons, and suddenly he's got got the ability to command you know five and a half mil. I just I just don't I don't see it. Hopefully, hopefully it works out for him, but I I don't like it all that much. I I wouldn't I wouldn't have signed him immediately. I want to see what he's like. You know, <laughs> moving forward. You know, new new system, new head coach. Lost half their defense. Though. Like he's not going to take two or three years, is he? No, no, no. But I mean, they've got him locked up for this season. Maybe wait until fucking January before you get him get him signed up. Because what if what if Corpusalo suddenly what if, what if the the tables turn and suddenly Corpusalo's the the man and Merzlikins isn't, which you can absolutely see happening. Like Merzlikins could fucking turn into um, Miko Koskinen overnight. Yeah, true. Fair, fair point. I don't love it. Um. The Kaprizov contract, however, a fucking <laughs> cap cap issues aside, love that, <laughs> love that for the Minnesota Wild. Expires when he's twenty nine. Oh, mwah, mwah. I can't believe Kaprizov signed for so long with them. Can I just just throw a little something in there? Go on, throw it in. He's had one good bad. He's had one good season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll absolutely give you that. Absolutely give you that. And you're throwing 11% of your entire cap at this guy. That's not to say, that is not to say, I didn't fucking <laughs> love watching him last year. Everyone said, he's got, kind of like when you sign in Ottawa or you know whatever it is, he's got the Minnesota bump because Minnesota now has a player that everyone goes, oh, actually, I will go and watch this game because Kaprizov gonna, is going to play. And he's exciting as hell to watch. There is that bump there that I, I believe that. And I do also believe he would have got a huge offer in his homeland. This isn't like, like we've said before, if you can make close enough money that you can live the life of a rock star in your own country, why wouldn't you do that? Well, you're not going to do that because you can make so much money in another country that you can't turn it down. And that's what happens. So I believe he probably could have made a fair chunk of money. I believe he could have made a fair chunk of money playing in Russia. There is just that little, you know, <laughs> it's happened before. That's all I'm going to say. It's happened before. Oh my God, this guy's amazing. Give him all the monies quick. And then two years later, oh, why do we give that guy all the monies after one season? What were we thinking? Shit. And you, the, the obvious comparison 
is Artemi Panarin. I'd say. Yeah, you know, fair point. A winger coming over from Russia. Not, not even highly touted necessarily. Not, Kaprizov was far more touted than Panarin was, in my understanding. Obviously, that season before the Hawks signed him, there was like an element of, oh, look at this kid tearing up the KHL. But it's not like, you know, from the moment the Wild drafted him, there's basically been this all wins Kaprizov coming over. Panarin had a two-year ELC, which, uh, which to me, I don't... Sorry, I'm very confused about the fucking Kaprizov situation because he had a two-year ELC as well, but he's only played one year of it. Why? Whatever, whatever. Kaprizov's only played only played one fucking year, like you say, and now he's on the nine mil. Panarin had two years on an ELC and then only moved up to a two-year six mil after fucking dominating, absolutely dominating with the Blackhawks. Like he had a stellar start to his career. Obviously, Kaprizov did as well, but. Yeah, you had fucking two years of it, and then another two years on on that six mil contract. So I do I do see where you're coming from, but I think there is an element that the Wild have less leverage than the Hawks did at that time, because the Hawks were still at least you know, oh, gotcha. really a fucking year yeah. away from. Yeah, he he signed after they won that fifteen Stanley Cup, didn't they? Didn't they? So yes. they've won a Stanley Cup in in two years prior to him signing that little bridge deal and you know the wilder are nothing without not nothing without him but the the wild need Kaprizov more than Kaprizov needs the wild and I think yeah that leverage from Rus- Russia from CSKA probably was absolutely there so I I get why they've had to pay that much but equally yeah you've, you've got that easy comparison of saying well Panarin didn't have to <laughs> didn't have to be paid that much to stay so yeah that's that's why I think it's a fucking um, it's a boon for for the wild to get him for that long I can't believe they didn't you know he he didn't only agree to to stay until he was a UFA yeah yeah you're right but we we will see if if most seconds and Kaprizov fall off tomorrow that'd be beautiful <laughs> and as you mentioned last week Jesus Christ, their cap is already looking hilarious next year. Oh, 12, 12 so players bad. signed at 65.5 million. Oh, I love And they're going to have to pray that it. Kevin Fiala doesn't want to move anywhere. Jordan Greenway has a bad season. <laughs> so they can get these guys back relatively cheap. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's, not like it's not like they're Buffalo or Arizona or even LA or whatever. They can't afford these guys to reduce their value. The wild, the wild have got to go now. As much as it feels like they're new money, as far as you know, competitiveness goes, they still need to fucking shift it. Like Jared Spurgeon's thirty-one. Yo, the the core of their D are all late twenties at the very least. I mean, what their their young guys aren't even that young, really. Twenty-fours, twenty-fives. Marcus Foligno's 30, like, Zuccarello's 34, and he's still signed for another three years. Like, it's not... They aren't like the Kings. They aren't like the Rangers, even. Even though they've got some older players. Like, they're, they're in the fucking thick of it. And I wouldn't be surprised if if the Wild have a similar sort of um, trajectory to what Nashville did. You know, come into that 2017... Was it 17 or 16? Whichever one it was. 
come into that final against Pittsburgh, like, oh, here we go. Natural Predators are, are ready to come and show us, you know, Smashville, fucking, they're the new thing in town. They're going to be dominating for years to come. And here, here we are, you know, what, three, four years later, we're already, we were already saying, come on, dog shit team. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a dog shit team. So I, I, there is, there is a, the little kind of untalked about development that could occur with the Wild is that Marco Rossi mm-hmm. is still is still sat there on his ELC waiting to make a move, and obviously he had the whole thing with being you know like the COVID thing and his health and all that kind of thing. So they have kind of got, they do have the kind of an ace up their sleeve. If he projects to be out. Because everyone said, you know, like he was the guy that they were looking at the most because his numbers were just ridiculous. And he is projected to be a fantastic player. So they do have that in their back pocket. And if he can develop okay, then fair enough. You can actually afford to lose a player making five million, four million, and then that opens up a bit more space, but it all depends on him. But they do have that there. And we and I personally as well, I mean I'm I'm guilty of this. I do keep forgetting about Marco Rossi even being there. He just kind of disappeared off the radar, didn't he, because he was health. Well, I mean, when you're when you're coming in as a highly touted prospect and then you lose an entire season, that's it's fair enough to to forget about a player in that position to an extent, especially when they play for the wild. And like you say, he's not had that he's not had that coverage and that hype that like a, a Byfield or a, a Lafreniere or a, even fucking Barrett Hayton or whatever coming into the league, so it it, it makes sense. I I agree with you. He's going to be an X factor for them, but I would still make the point that he kind of has to be an X factor for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they need they need him to work out for sure. Absolutely, like he has to. They need him to project and play as he is projected to play. And I think you I mean, almost need to not not to wish it like his, him or anything. If you look at his fucking stats, like, Jesus oh, mate, Christ! This guy is never. Virgil, he? Yeah, every season this guy has never put up more. He's never put up less than a point per game production. And in twenty nineteen twenty, oh, we're sixty sevens, fifty six games, a hundred and twenty points. <laughs> fucking That's fucking insanity. nuts! Absolute nuts. insanity. But I'd I'd. I'd make the point, you know, I I want Marco Rossi to come in and be the fucking Austrian Conor McDavid. The more Conor McDavid yeah. we have, the better. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this is an unprecedented situation. This is different to you look at look at Nolan Patrick. Say Nolan Patrick basically missed his entire draft year, or the majority of it because of concussions. Was it whatever it was? Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um. Rossi has missed an entire season for what is effectively a new disease in coronavirus. Yeah. And not to say that it definitely will have that sort of effect on him, but we haven't even seen an NHL, we haven't seen any other player miss even close to this amount of time with COVID. And you, we've all heard about like the symptoms of long, long COVID on regular people that are still suffering from it now. So I just think Christ, like I hope he, I hope he's fine. I hope he's fine because I want the more good hockey players, the better. But I mean, don't be surprised if Marco Rossi isn't isn't a well beater or isn't even you know close to what he was tapped to be. It looks like he's going to be. It looks like he's still doing all right. Like you know, three points in five games for for uh, Austria so far this season in the internationals he's played. But 
yeah, I just think that there is such a fucking question mark over what Rossi is going to become as a player and how that long COVID is going to affect him. Like you say, you just fucking hope so, though. Looking at those stats, you're just thinking, yeah, I want to see that guy make it. I want to see him play. Mouth-watering. Yeah, I mean, all his all his stats from his whole career up until this point are just absolute insanity. Like I said, just fucking nuts. But yeah, let's. Yeah, you're right. He is the uh, like the guinea pig, the test subject almost of what's going to happen in the future with sort of sports stars and long COVID. All are, right, are you let's... implying that he was he was MK Aldred? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, but you said also... you said guinea pig, which implies some level of. Um... MK Ultra uh, intent, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll say no, but as we've now become a conspiracy podcast, I'll also say it wouldn't surprise me if it was the case. Maybe <laughs> I I want to believe that Gary <laughs> Bettman performed chemical right, testing, Mulder, bi- biological testing. <laughs> that's how they that's how they got like that's that's how they got some money to cover them from COVID. We just started selling players on the open on the black market on the dark web. Yeah, it was, um, a, it was a dangerous time to sign an ELC in the summer of 2003. <laughs> yeah. See, folks, as we said yeah. before, you've got to read the terms and conditions. Like, paragraph 7, <laughs> subsection 3, chapter 4. Players may be sold on the black market to uh, for medical testing companies. Hang on, what's this? Oh, shit. <laughs> I've already signed it. Yeah, last thing. I, I've had this on the run sheet for ages and ages and ages. And it's something that sort of keeps popping up in my mind about fans happiness of their team and someone who listens to the show uh, Pirate Cat had sent a message about how they felt being a fan of Detroit and that they felt there's kind of no pressure on us we're a rebuilding team and I kind of posed a question to Will on the chat the other day it can be fun being a fan of a team in a rebuild there's no pressure it's almost that kind of and, and, and because Steve Eisenman's kind of told everybody Okay, this isn't going to happen into it. This isn't the Rangers. We're not going to be doing this in two or three years. This is a very, very, very long term plan. And they just pick up little pieces here and there and make little moves and add this little thing. And that was kind of my question to Will was how happy can you be of, as a fan of a team that is bad and will not win anything, yet your future feels positive? I, th- I think the cr- the crux of the answer depends on like who's running the team. I'd be far far more happy as a Detroit fan right now, or hell, best case scenario, a Kings fan or a Rangers fan. Yeah, maybe not so much a Rangers fan after this summer, but a Detroit fan is a far more preferable situation to say a Buffalo fan. Not to fucking throw Buffalo under the bus once again, but it's an easy comparison because one's in a state of rebuild where you've got what appears to be competent hands at the wheel in Steve Eisenman. You've got ownership that are going to be patient with him. That That's one of the rare situations where having a club legend at the helm is probably beneficial, especially where Eisenman's already proven his chops with Tampa. He's had time in the organisation previously, serving with Ken, Ken Holland, and there's going to be that element of trust in Steve Eisenman's process that you wouldn't get in, say, I don't know, fucking whoever. Whoever else you want to... Chuck Fletcher isn't going to get the same leash as Steve Eisenman in the city of Detroit, is he? So I think that you can be you can be happy and content 
as that fan, providing the faith in the future, you know, the promised land of, of bountiful prospects and un, unparalleled success, to quote a famous philosopher, um, is feels attainable. You know what I mean? Ottawa are doing a better job rebuilding than you would automatically give them credit for. But when Eugene's talking about unparalleled success, unprecedented spending, if I'm a Senators fan, I've got fucking no faith in that actually coming to fruition. But then when Eisenman's saying, we'll get there, but it's going to take a minute, you've you've got some element of proof in the pudding there that he's he's actually... Not a sure thing, because nothing's ever a sure thing in this game, but closer than it could be. And and I always say, not to fucking bogart the conversation, I always say I'd rather be a fan of a really good team or a really shit team than a fucking average team. Yeah, you're making the playoffs every year and getting knocked out in the first round. Your GM's just signing veterans to plug the holes. You've got nothing... The, the only thing you've got to be excited for is like six playoff games in April. There's no view to the future. There's no chance of things are going to improve. Like It looks like you're either going to stagnate or have to get lucky to be better than stagnant. So yeah, I'd, I'd, ra- I'd rather be a Detroit fan or even an Ottawa fan or a Buffalo fan, a fucking Arizona fan, than like a Predators fan. I think that's a great point. I think that's a really good point. It all depends who's at the helm. And if they have that track record, that's all you need, mate. That is a really, a really good, concise answer, William. Well done. Oh, thank, well thank done you very indeed. much, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like we've yeah. got examples throughout the history of the league of badly done rebuilds, haven't we? I'll so it's it's out. completely understandable for for fans to be nervous of the idea of their team going into a rebuild. I think I I don't think there are many GMs in the league who I would trust with a rebuild. Partly because you don't necessarily... Those GMs don't always get the time to do it. Because it's, it's it's not just on the GM. As much as the GM is very um, crucial, you know, a very, very integral part of that process, it's not all about the GM. It needs faith from the owner to to, to facilitate it. You know, like, We've said, we've said before, like how many owners are actually willing to sit around through a rebuild and the cost that will have to them on their pocket, the reputation of their asset. Because if you go into a rebuild, like it's, a, it's just too easy of an example. Take the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres as a fucking entity <laughs> have to be worth less now than the day that the Pagulas took over. They have to be. I don't care how bad they were in, like, was it 2014? Whenever they took them over. I don't care how bad they've been the last couple of years. Shit has been so bad since that that can only be an asset that has either depreciated in value or only increased in value due to fucking inflation. The Pagulas and the Sabres themselves have added no value to that asset of an organisation. So, yeah, it's, it's... There are so many moving parts that are volatile variables in like draft you know the the quality of a draft the quality of your scouts the quality of your gm the willingness of an owner the patience of an owner there's so much about it that like yeah it's a fucking terrifying thing but i'd equally rather i think i'd rather be rebuilding than you know 
in the playoffs every other year and not getting out of the first round. Because it all comes down to that sense of something to look forward to. Mate, a fantastic point. Fantastic point. Was there anything you wanted to quickly mention UFAs? Oh, yeah. It was just like... Uh, I'll, very very quickly, I'll just point out Robert Thomas has signed his uh, CBA-mandated 23-year-old contract yep, of $2.8 million. Congratulations, Robert Thomas. Well, what, what do you say about that? Is is what it is. Like, I think that's a decent enough little deal. See what he turns into. But yeah, the, the UFA thing, I was just having a little poke on, on Cat Friendly, trying to see if anything had happened. There's a lot of uh, a lot of geezers that are 100% going to be in the league next year that haven't even got a whiff of a PTO, which, I mean, we're in like effectively the last week of September, and like you know, guys like fucking Jason Demers, Eric Stahl, Sammy Vatanen, you know, it's like, what's what's going on there? And it feels like I, I might not be as tuned in as I have been previous seasons, but it feels like, yeah, there ain't fucking anything going on there. There's not even a whiff of, of what might happen. Dude, Alex Chiasson. Yeah. Not off yet. That's surpri- that is a surprising one, actually. This is this is what I'm talking about. Like there, there are so many people that you can absolutely guarantee are going to be in the league next year that haven't haven't even got an offer. Like Brandon Dubinsky's probably going to be in the league next year. I don't, oh, actually, I don't know. Is he is he retired? I think, I think Brandon retired. Dubinsky's retired. Yeah, I think he has. Yeah. Uh, but then sometimes you feel about maybe these players. Maybe these players are pricing themselves out that they believe they're worth X, Y, and Z, and they're going to push it until they realize that they're not worth X, Y, and Z, and then go, oh, shit, I'll better take this offer then. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but there's still, like, Eric Stahl took a fucking, what, $2 million contract last season? I know, it was was the second half of his 3.25 mil. Like, yeah, there are players that have taken cheaper deals and understood. I can't can't see Eric Stahl pricing himself out necessarily. Alex Chasen, I can't see pricing himself out necessarily. You know, these aren't... These aren't players that have fallen off a cliff necessarily. Yeah, sure, none of them are are incredible game changers for these teams, but it's just, it's just odd when, especially when you know for a fact that they're going to be on some sort of NHL team next year. Almost <laughs> definitely, they they are though. If 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 it was just like oh okay, Braden Coburn hasn't signed, uh, but Michael Haley hasn't signed. Like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like those are NHL guys, but. I can absolutely see all of them going to the to the AHL. Jason Demers is going to be in the league next year. Fuck it, like I said, Alex Chason is going to be in the league next year. Devin Dubnik's going to be in the league next year. What's uh, what are we talking about? And like, it's, it just feels a bit odd that we're this late into the summer, and people have started signing PTOs. PTO season is upon us, but uh, yeah, no, no sign of it. Where will one of our favourites, Eric Gustafsson, end up playing? I see. I didn't really use Gustafsson as a. As a I try to avoid the European guys because you never know. Might end up going into over to Europe at some point. But nah, he's going to get Gustafsson will get signed by somebody because he was on a team that went to the cup final last year. Will so clearly he brought something. For, former sixty point defenseman. Like all jokes aside, say what you want about Eric Gustafsson. He scored sixty points in that season. You, you, you are not uh, shy about what you want to say about Eric Gustafsson. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. He makes yeah, my like uh, he makes my all snake team all day. He'll fuck it, mate. 
he he made it as a snake if if he's a snake. Um, oh hell yeah, yeah, he's gonna get fucking signed, isn't he? It's... The guy's had four NHL teams in the past two seasons. I mean, <laughs> of course he'll get yeah, a fifth one in. He's experienced. Yeah, very experienced. That's, that only increases his chance of signing with a team because he knows his way around so many so many arenas. <laughs> hey, he's now got inside information on four opponents for the year. That's that's priceless. This is fucking exactly. It, he has been deliberately acquired at back-to-back trade deadlines. Nobody, nobody said that's a bad thing about Thomas Vanek. I suppose, but Jesus Christ! <laughs> ignore, ignore the fact that he's been traded twice in two years as well. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's neither here. Nor All right. There. All right. There we go. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Will, any last words? Um, no, no, no last words for you. Unfortunately. That's all right. Sometimes the world runs dry. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.